Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we're here with uh, Caleb we- Wheeler, Curtis, mm-hmm. Vinny Sparaza, and Noah. I'm gonna slaughter this, but it's Noah Garabedian. Yeah, that's fine. It's all right. Let's go with that for the day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're here talking with them about their uh, most recent release that just came out, which is also uh, self-titled, kind of New Year. The, but the band is Curtis plus Garabedian. I'm going to fix that now. You're it's, welcome it's, to well, Garabedian. Garib- yes, Garabedian. Yeah, thank you. Garabedian and Spraza, right? Uh huh. Yeah, Killing, and they just put out this uh, trio record, guys. It's cordless. Definitely make sure you go check it out. It's on Spotify, everything, um, iTunes, all that stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us to get today, guys. Thank you. Yeah, for thanks for us. having us. Yeah. Um, nice so here. you know, really want to dive into this record here and and figure it out. You know, and and a little bit about you guys. You know, I'm always a big proponent, and Nick's always a big proponent that uh, people really check out your music. Most of the reason because they like you, not because they actually care about our music. Uh, so surprise. <laughs> I'm very um, likable. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. This is great then. This is yeah. great. Um, so you guys went with, a, with a, well, let's start with this. How did you guys all meet? Because this is, you know, a di- definitely not your traditional instrumentation by any means. Everyone's usually playing with like a chordal instrument somewhere nowadays. So how did you guys meet? Um, what, what's the backstory there? You want me to take the lead on this? Go ahead. Go ahead, Vince. I'll, I'll lead this one and then make sure I don't suck all the oxygen and have room for everybody. Um, we, the short answer is we have no idea how we met because okay, great. we basically had, I feel like I've known Caleb and, and Noah like for, I have, I don't even know how long it's like, they've always been around. I've always wanted to hear them play. I've always wanted to play with them. I seem to have encountered them in a variety of circumstances, occasions, situations, other people's bands, other people's gigs, both being being at other people's gigs, playing other people's gigs together, me going to hear them, them coming to hear me, a lot of sessions. And and then it's that's why it's so fuzzy. In other words, this is a tiny little slice of a much, much bigger community that we're all part of. And then the longer answer, that not that that was too short, but the more <laughs> longer answer is that Caleb and I were actually neighbors at one point, but I don't know how we met. I feel like he just came up to me and I was like, wait, why is this guy who's really good? Why is he talking to me? And then <laughs> what, what does he want? And then Noah, I guess we met through that trombonist, and I guess through, who's that trombone guy, Noah, that had the band in the studio? Uh, Josh, Josh Roseman. Roseman. Yeah, I think we met through him. Really? But again, I don't even really know that guy, so I don't know how I met <laughs> Noah. I thought we met through, I don't know, man. Through Garchuk? Yeah. But didn't we, didn't I meet you at like a Josh Roseman gig that you were playing with, oh, Jacob? Oh, probably, yeah. This is, it's all very very fuzzy. And what I can say is that it was definitely, definitely fall 2017 that we started kind of rehearsing as a trio. That I know. Yes. So what, so you guys started rehearsing and you said fall 2017 as a trio and, you know, you're experimenting with 
or not experimenting, but you know, you're developing this whole like choral vibe. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think to, you know, a lot of people that like any audience that's listening that's maybe still in school, something that's core cordless is certainly uh, can be intimidating to some people. So what really? How do you guys hold that together? How do you how do you deal with that? Uh, well, you know, I would say that it's not unusual to us. You know, we does it doesn't feel at least you know for me it doesn't feel like a really uh, deliberate choice to not have a uh, to be cordless. I mean, part of it is just the reality of it's easier to get together with only three people, and there's not always a good piano. That's the uh, first thing I thought yeah. of is that this is the most practical way to come together. Yeah, and and a lot of a lot of the things that we've done have been because we wanted, you know. We want to let the music and the band reflect what our lives are really like. You know, it, uh, it's not a um, high concept in like full of like really specific compositional tools. It's like, let's let's get together and play and make music because that's what we do. And we like to make music together. And here we are. So let's enjoy ourselves and uh, make the most of it. And I, you know, the high concept in this band for me is is the community that we're reflecting, yes. the values we're yes. reflecting, the life choices that have brought us to a place to allow us to choose to play together. Yeah. Yes. Um, the the options that we are, the decision to come together was a decision to play with each other. That meant we weren't going to play while we're playing with each other. There's not going to be other people there. There's not going to be a guitar player. It's not going to be right. a piano player. It's not going to be a trumpet player. It's going to be the three of us. So that uh, that's the con. That's uh, that exclude. We're excluding somebody, but we're not doing it because they're not good enough because of practicality and because of our interest in each other. Does that make yeah. any sense, Alan? No, I mean it totally does, and it's. I think it's really interesting uh, that a point that Caleb hit on right there at the beginning was that it's not that. Uh, you know, we feel limited or you guys feel limited or like you have to use some different compositional technique because I think so many people get inside their heads that saying like, Oh, Hey, because I like, because I'm writing for guitar, I have to write this way. Or because I don't have a piano, I have to write this way. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. just right. because you don't, doesn't mean you have to, you know, outline things in a different manner. Well, there is going to take on a different shape. There is some, uh, freedom of ambiguity. That's a little bit easier to access without a chordal instrument um you know i don't it when when i bring in some when i brought in some of the tunes for the record to these guys i was less concerned if there's not chord changes on it for example right. um not that i would be so concerned if there also was a pianist there but right. uh you know it's easy to think well here's the melody and here's the bass line and this is what the song is made out of and that's what we have right you know and the rhythm of the, of the thing. And, and uh, that's also when I th think about playing with Vinny and Noah, I can hear them in my head. And that it, it is comforting to hear that. If I, if I write a line and go, oh yeah, I can hear what they are going to sound like here, mm -hmm. more or less. So let me ask you this. Um, I think a lot of people that are not, like that are not jazz musicians, right? when they hear you say like ambiguity or being ambiguous or, um, you know, having this type of a scenario mm -hmm. where maybe it's a little bit more free as far as you're going to imply uh, harmonic devices on top of, they immediately start to think that like, maybe there's, 
there's like less of a structure or it's really um, free or nothing like that. So what advice would you give them as they're going to listen to this on like how to be able to follow it easier when there's not, you know, specific resolutions necessarily, or they're not as like easily, uh, or you can't hear them as easily as you might with a piano easily going like two, five, one, you know, one, one thing that I would say first off is, uh, the music is just simply because of the instrumentation, it's less dense and there's less sonically going on than with a larger band. And I feel like it would be it's our music is very easy for people to follow along with regardless if there's no you know if there's no traditional cadences or you know pop resolutions or whatever it is i think it's right right. perfectly easy to follow along to and and probably easier than a lot more music simply because of the stripped down nature of it and the simplicity of our songs yeah we have a lot of tempo you know we have a lot of beats and we have a lot of we have a lot of keys, you know. Yeah. I, I I my dream, um, Alan, is that is that a music lover would would listen to it and with an open mind and just enjoy the the sounds and the feelings and not worry too much about the musicological stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know yeah. that's the dream I have. I don't know if that's realistic. I mean, I I think that that's how we think about the music. Is yeah. is more about the texture and the space and the feeling than about the um, constructors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and that's you know that's to me that's way more important than the constructors. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I mean, we've kind of established, uh, you know, how you guys view the your 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 concept, I guess, you know, or like how what the music means to you as a trio. Is there anything? Uh, with this record you guys just put out, was there anything that kind of like held it together? Where were there certain uh, themes or, or ideas you went to a studio with, or were you just like, "Look, we like playing together, and we're gonna just gonna release a record of you know our originals and and our music just because." I had I had ideas that I went to the studio with. I remember the day very well, and I was really feeling um, like this is a Noah and Caleb are. Are, are great they're the best we are we we there's there is only trust between us and i see no reason to do a to to just play well i want to play something that pushes me that pushes them pushes me conceptually pushes me emotionally that sets a new personal like uh standard for for presentness with the musicians, with the music in the studio, and uh, a turn away from a certain sort of, uh, well, just maturity, just a, a turn a, a turn away from immaturity and towards maturity and saying, look, look, this is what I have today. This is where I'm feeling. And, and if it's, you know, and just owning that, the good, the bad, the indifferent, and, and owning that and being confident in it and, and being okay to release it mm-hmm. and let the world hear wh- whatever small portion of the world hears it and just own that. So that was, that was what I went to the studio with. Yeah. I mean, I, to, I think that I, I want to just echo a little bit what Vinny said that, um, you know, I had, I remember at the recording and a, a few of the like 
uh, rehearsal recordings we did before yeah. uh, that, that it was a much more emotional experience for me than a lot of recordings that I've done. Yes. Because there was uh, so much trust with them that I could try to enter that space. And, you know, I, I think it's hard for, I mean, it's hard for me and I think it's hard for a lot of men to access their emotions and be emotional and allow that to, um, to affect them, you know, and, and for, for, for me to allow the emotions to affect me in the music, I, I think is a, a path to feeling like really connected and to, and to feeling the moment and the experience, mm. uh, creating that environment with Noah and Vinny makes that possible. And that comes from, uh, you know, also I think some, from some of the fuzziness about how we met and how long we've known each other, that there's this, like this understanding of who we are and where we're, what we're doing here and what our lives are like and who the people are around us. And uh, there's a, a feeling of groundedness to the, to the band and the music that comes from that. Uh, also, I, I do want to say that our friend, we had our friend Chet Doxis in the studio with us. Close uh, friend. Yeah, close friend. And someone who really understands these things we're talking about and understands us and understands what we want out of the music. And what, he was very helpful to try to help us get into that space uh, emotionally with the music. At least, I mean, uh, at least for me, I don't want to speak too strongly for Definitely. Guys. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to hear from you, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I know I tend to speak too much. Oh, I'm so. listening. Um, I, I think we probably mentioned this to you, Alan, but yeah, the way we started was just by casually, you know, documenting our sessions at Chet's home studio. And, um, you know, that experience, just the intimacy of it and the relaxed nature and just having you know four close friends in a room together it was just kind of a fun it was just fun times for us it wasn't a recording session it wasn't stressful it wasn't like a rehearsal or anything we just kind of played and uh it it helped kind of form our our sound i guess our approach to the music yeah, I think yeah. that now. Sorry, we no, you know we uh, we've talked a lot amongst ourselves about um, the idea that music should be the most regular thing, the most normal thing that we do. We do it. We play every yeah. day, and it's a part like, of our. It's routine. like breathing. Yeah, or walking or eating. Yeah. It's like kind of not special right. in a yeah. way. Like it's the most special thing because it's not special, mm. you know, and, it's, and it's such a part of you that you don't even notice it. Go ahead. Caleb. No, we want every, everything that we do to reflect that. And being in the studio that day was like that. And I'm so often, so many times for me, being in the studio has been stressful or uh, frustrating or traumatic, you know, pr uh, full of pressure, you know, um, yeah, traumatic. Yeah. And I, you know, we were very deliberate in trying to change that paradigm for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I think, uh, 
you know, obviously when everyone goes into a studio, like playing's a big deal. And it's it's a big like hello, you're here to record, like make sure you can play. Um how many of you guys have led records as leaders before? I know Vinny, you've done one. I've done three. Depending on how you count. Yeah, depending on yeah. how you count. That yeah. number gets bigger depending on how you count. Yep. <laughs> so well, can you guys like I still feel um it's a it's a completely different beast when you don't have uh someone hand like you're not you don't just show up and play. And I think that's something that so many people forget. And they don't realize like that even though you guys are showing up and playing, you still have to handle everything else behind the scenes and like actually putting together this project. So what are some things that like you guys maybe wish that you did differently as far as that or some things that like you've really learned as you've gone on for people that are trying to record their first project and oh, really get that going? Oh, well, book studio time. That's the first thing. <laughs> Very hard to record if you don't have studio time. And I'm, I'm not being cute. Like, if you want to record, call up a studio, say, when are you available, save your money, and go do it. That's the most important thing. Thinking about it, planning, that happens when you have a date coming. Book that date. Go, young people. <laughs> I, I yeah. would also say booking more studio time than you think. At least for me, I've, I'd rather you know have extra time than be rushed. Yeah. I, well, one thing that uh, I've, I've done two sessions as a leader and that, and this one and two other records with a coll another collaborative project. And one thing that if, you know, if you can to have someone like, like our chat yes. uh, to who's there to sort of center you and take the burden off of you about whether you, the take was good um, yeah, and yeah. really, really streamline things. Yeah, but you know, to find someone that you really trust that uh, can see the music from a little bit farther away than you can uh, can make that process a lot less stressful. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. And I will, I will never do it again without somebody. Mm -hmm. Can you um, elaborate on that in a sense? Because I feel like a lot of people are going to assume like if whether if they're not like a part of a a, a trio like you guys mm -hmm. their their goals when they go in if they're trying to lead a band is they're like well i'm going to try and hire first off like maybe the biggest name or the best possible person i can on an instrument but they also start to think maybe the same for the pro for the producer role you know like they need to hire someone who specifically like has has done this tons of times or like the biggest name versus someone who's like who just really knows you because, you know, they can be a big name and not still have the same vision as you. And that's something Nick and I have talked about several times. Yeah, the, the big name thing is a real, real complex qu question that, that is a little bit out of the scope for anything I can talk about right now. But the, the most helpful thing I would say to, to any young person is when you're, when you're deciding what music to play and who to play it with, um, make sure the most important thing is the way the music sounds, not necessarily not. And I'm only saying not necessarily the mo the biggest reputation attached to the name of the person you're playing with. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that can manifest, right? Because you could have someone who's not quote as good as a famous player who will make your music sound better because they care more about you and about your music. 
Exactly. And that's the basis of my career right there. Yeah, that's like, what I'm running on. Yeah. Like if, if we had done this session with, and it was uh, instead of us three, maybe it was Jack DeJanet and Kenny Garrett and um, Dave Holland, and we gave them our music and told them to go do it, it would be different. You know? Yeah. And it would uh, probably sound very good. I'm it, not sure it would be better. Yeah, exactly. It would be very different. It would be very, very different. Good. And very, yeah, but not necessarily better. And uh, I'm not sure they would think it was better either. No. I don't know. I don't know those guys. But Yeah, and, and I, you know, to have uh, someone to collaborate with as a producer, I think the most important thing is that you trust them 100%. Right. And, and that if it's somebody that you don't know and – you know, like a, a mentor or a, a close teacher is a great person in that role. If you, if you, if they understand what your goals are. For that's the what I was trying. That's exactly what I was trying to say, Caleb. That's exactly the trust and the, the, the care anyway. Yeah. Cause also, I mean, the other thing is that if you make, if we're making choices because we think someone else is going to like it more or that you're going to sell more copies of the record or somehow you're going to get famous on it. Like the reality is that, Nobody makes money selling jazz records and nobody gets famous. So having someone famous in one of those roles is you're sacrificing actually like your, like the real quality of the thing, the important part. Uh, you can't, you're in danger of that. Let me put it that way. Yeah, you might be. What you were you be. saying? Uh, I was actually going to say what Caleb just said. Yeah. Just about, yeah, that you're, you're sacrificing the whole artistic and creative side of things when you do something like that. And you, I don't know, at least for me, I, 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 it's really important for me to play with people I'm comfortable around and just enjoy spending time with. And uh, I'm not, I just, I, 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 there, there are people I'm in a lot of collaborative bands where there's like a little spark of tension and disagreement all the time. That's really productive. And when you're playing with, if you're playing, so in other words, I agree with you. I just wanted to add that there's also, it's not just comfort. It's like, say, it's just, what is this going to sound like? Oh, this is Vinny playing with a famous guy. That's all that would be heard unless I have a real relationship with them. That's yeah. all I was trying to, that's all, that's all yeah. I wanted to say. Yeah. And there's, um, I mean, I uh, have tension and conflict with all my friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This this band is, we're not there yet. Well, as soon as we hit the road, I'm sure we'll discover all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, so, the real truth. To, to kind of take it in a different way, uh, I think I joked around with you guys earlier. Um, and, and, you know, you just kind of hit on it that, like, jazz records don't really sell. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about, like, you three as, as individuals, you know, and, you know, get a little fun with it and uh, talk about some things that's maybe not music related, you know? Um so what are like have you guys found something that you bond over? I was talking with uh with uh Brian Croc uh the other day and he said like he he found out that his whole new band is like obsessed with golf. But they're like, you know, no way phenomenal at golf. So that's what they do. So what do you guys like to do when you're not uh shedding? Golf. Uh I don't practice. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all uh we all like to read a lot, I think, which is a big. Well, guys, we are really not being okay. Right. <laughs> what's the what's the book I you like guys to last read? Party super hard. Uh, 
<laughs> last book I read, there's it, it's a lot. Do you really want to go this route? Right. I don't think you want to. I'm partying right now. I got I have right here, I got One Flow Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I got Improvisation by Derek Bailey. I got Don Quixote. Very boring, mm. let me tell you. Very boring. <laughs> very famous, very boring book. I got Anthony Braxton, Forces in Motion by Graham Locke. Let's see, over there. That's pretty enough. That's enough titles, right? What, what oh, I got a little book on here. early music here. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Vinny's library now. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm an incredibly fun man. Yeah. I, I think that we bond over, try, you know, trying to figure out how to balance our lives out. You know, we enjoy That's such an honest answer. I, I mean, man, we like, we enjoy going to the park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I saw like, and, and and I saw, I know Brian Kroc is into golf. He played golf in uh, in uh, in Salford, Britain, when no one should have been playing golf, and he was playing golf. <laughs> and we try to figure out our lives when we should be out. I don't know, drinking and being angry at people or something. I don't yeah. Know. Oh man, this cat. Bah, 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 bah. Life is short, you know. Yeah. Well, I th I, th I think it's hard. It could be hard in the world that we live in to allow ourselves to, to let other things flourish in our lives, you know, but then when you start trying like listing other things that we like, like Noah is a, is a pretty prolific baker for somebody that didn't bring it up. Yet. Oh, wow. And yeah, you know, I mean, he really <laughs> enjoys it. And I, you know, uh, we were roommates for a while and it was something that I, I love to see Noah do. And um, that's awesome. <laughs> I expect lemon bars in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I love to, I like really like to ride my bike around Brooklyn and it's not something that I do to like go out on bike rides, but I, you know, it, it's something I really enjoy to get around. And I, you know, I like, uh, I don't know. I for me, bonding with the community that we have here is very important. Uh, and really fulfilling and, and it feels like in this moment it much larger than the three like Vinny was saying that there's this whole other world outside the three of us that it's very it's there's a lot of positive energy and uh momentum and like feeling of community in in our you know in our world here in brooklyn um and being a part of that is something i really enjoy doing other than practicing <laughs> So whatever that means, you know, mm -hmm. doing things with other people. No, I feel that. I feel that. I mean, uh, music is your life yeah. and, and, and you get up in the morning, that's music and you go to bed and that's music and, or, you know, everything is, it's going to come out in your music at least. I'm still trying to figure this all out and learning to tell the truth, learning to say a true word, learning to value something, stand up for something you believe in. Be the kind of person that you want to be, that inspires your community, connects you to the people you love. Yeah. I mean, not very exciting to talk about, but these There's are the not things much, I think about all the I, time. How much more important than those yeah. things? I mean, ahead, yeah, I just, I, I'm thinking about what, what you said, Caleb. Like, I, I just, I never really thought about that, but I have thought about the times that we would hang at Vinny's place and for these sessions and uh i mean we'd play for an hour or two but man we would just sit around and talk the whole time you know and like 
And for me, like, I think I probably talked the least out of the three of us. And like, it was just, I'm very loquacious. <laughs> You're, yes. And, um, but uh, I don't know. For me, it's, it's just, it's really great to just sit with three like minded friends and like try to hash out life and discuss issues, you know, far ranging issues and just, just figure it out and talk about it. Arthur Blythe. There's something we oh, all yeah. connect on. Oh, yeah. yeah hell yeah. Arthur Art, you know his playing, Alan? No, I don't. He was the yeah, greatest. Like he was the greatest. Yeah. Arthur Blythe yep, was the yep. cat. Check him out. Alto saxophonist. That is strictly halfway between uh, between Anthony Braxton and Lou yeah. Donaldson. <laughs> right in, yeah, the, yeah. right yeah. in the middle. Yeah. He found where those two guys hang out. He found the bar they hang out in, and that's yep. where he went. Yeah. And, and we, I mean, he did a lot of recordings as an alto trio yep. with uh, yep. bass and drums or tuba and drums. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found a lot of uh, camaraderie in that music. Mm-hmm. Didn't he play on a, I might be losing my mind, but with like on a Woody Shaw record? He may have. I, I, I don't know, know that side wow. of him. He did play. He played famously with Jack DeJunet. That okay. was sort of the only like kind of moment in the sun he had with like a really big name. Yeah, but, but he, he was he he was on Columbia Records yeah. though in the eighties. Yeah. He yeah. was he had, but that's all forgotten now. Yeah, but right. Well, I mean, it's just it's someone new to check out. And, yeah, and it's killing. I, there was a unbel- I, The thing that always freaks me out is how many more people there are to check out like that. Right. Yeah, I didn't know about it, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, what's up with Jimmy Lyons? Oh. Right? <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. And, but do you guys have that friend where, like, you know, I discover someone new, whether it's through like Spotify, Discover Weekly, or like deep in the web of YouTube or whatnot, and then you text that one friend, and you're like, yo, have you ever heard of this person? And then they respond, and they're like, how did you not know this person? Are you right. stupid? Yeah. Well, the shame is one thing, but Vinny is a discographical library and uh, and he might not want to admit it to you but um you know a lot a lot of the time like Vinny will is able to make these connections among musicians and among ideas in terms of like the recorded history that's uh, pretty incredible and a lot of the times at the rehearsal we would you know go down one of these rabbit holes or uh you know yeah, talk about hey, I've been checking out this record. I really love it, and, and you know, and then we would find that someone would say, "Hey, what about this and this?" If you like that or that, and I mean, that's a ever present uh, thing. That's one of the great things about getting to be around a lot of musicians all the time. Yeah, uh, who and many people are doing the same thing and going going in other directions. You know, man. Yeah. There's, well, so, sorry, I just oh, looked ahead. up this album. No, you're good. You're good. Woody Shaw, the Iron Man. On the Muse label with Arthur Blythe, Anthony Braxton, Moo Hall, Cecil McBee, and Joe Chambers. There you go. Wow, wow there you go. That's a perfect oh, example. And Victor Lewis on some other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm there definitely getting this album. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's on, on Muse, that's yeah. my yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, okay. Now I know. Muse yeah. Label. Um, so here we go. I got one more question mm-hmm. for you guys. Um, Talking about uh, Vinny being like this uh, walking, living, breathing discography. 
I dispute um, that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's talk just a little bit about your, uh, very briefly, cause I, I know you got to go here soon, Noah, but like your opinions on, um, school, oh, um, uh, to my knowledge, <laughs> Caleb, I know you have, um, undergraduate and masters in jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah, what's kind of interesting is your undergraduates in ethnomusicology, mm-hmm. uh, and is then is your master's yeah. in jazz? Okay, and then Vinny, what's up with you? <laughs> He's the master. He's the master. I went to jazz school for four years. Okay, Kellen. So um, how do you feel, like, looking back on it, um, how has it really helped you? Because I know there's, like, there's a really widespread, like, some people, you know, love school and they love, like, the strong foundation has given them. Other people are like, ah, I went to school because my parents wanted me to, you know, how did that really do? And Noah, you know, I'm really interested to hear about how you felt about like the ethnomusicology degree and how that helped you. Uh, should I start? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I, I just coming out of high school, I didn't, uh, I didn't really want to go to conservatory. I wasn't really that great anyways. I'm, probably could have gotten into Berkeley or something. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, I just entered UCLA cause I don't know, it was big state school and it's close to my family. And, uh, but then I kind of got drawn into ethnomusicology and, um, I like, I like thinking about how culture affects art and how art affects culture in turn, you know? And, um, I, I was just really into all those classes. And then, uh, I don't know, eventually the academic side of ethnomusicology just got a little too much for me. Um, um, and I just started gigging in Los Angeles and became a bass player, (laughs) became a professional bass player. And, uh, how do you like the East Coast versus the West Coast? Are you, are you real big divide? Uh, I mean, I've lived in New York for almost 11 years now. Um, you know, they're just different. No, Nothing is better or worse. Yeah. It's just different. Right, right, right. But I, I, I don't know if my ethnomusicology degree has helped me professionally per se, but, I, you know, everything influences a person, you know, all of life's experiences. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that it's snuck itself into my writing or my playing or just my social life in some way or another. Sure. Uh, what about you, Caleb? What, how to how, talk about your experience? Cause you went to uh, pretty, pretty big schools. I would say for both degrees for jazz. You yeah. But, um, well, I, I, I'm a bit, conflicted here because on the one hand, uh, especially my undergraduate degree, if I hadn't gone to school, I didn't have the tools to learn that information on my own. And I really benefited from my relationships with some of the teachers there. Um, but at the same time, and, and, and my master's, I feel sort of similarly, the best thing that came out of it is my relationship with a few of the teachers and with some of the friends that I made. Um, and I did it at a time in my life when I didn't have very much going on and I needed something to focus me and it helped with that. 
but over the the uh, it's been eight years since I finished my master's and I have been sort of disappointed. Now I think it's uh, just an artifact of teaching a lot of people at once in a school situation where you have to be, you have to be able to measure and reproduce uh, results. And um, I think all, we were lied to about a lot of the fundamental things and not deliberately and not in a bad way, not, you know, evil way, but we were lied to about how music is made and how it works and what is important in it. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, there's a lot to unpack there that we're not going to get to, but, um, you know, I, I have found the rules that were imparted to be not rules and the stylistic uh, requirements to make good, quote unquote, good music are not real. And a lot of other things that I just, you know, I, I've watched some some other people struggle to deal with them after they get out and they... Um, and I, a lot of my journey after I was out of school has been trying to get to get rid of the weight of what I was told was important by other people to figure out what was important for me. Uh, and I have to, I'm left wondering whether or not that was necessary. Uh, it's a, yeah. it's a very, it's a very uh, painful reality to rec try to, to recognize the things that were important to you, you know, and were told to you were so important that they must be the generating factors of how you make music are not important. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, I'm I'm a bit conflicted. Um, I don't think it's necessary for uh, a focused uh, young person who is really driven and wants to learn about music, there's no reason that they have to study in a, in a university. Um, but they have to have the skills to go seek out that information from uh, masters and ex, you know, experts in, the in their field and in the, the places that they're interested in to get that information. Um, I, and I'm also not sure that being in school gives you those tools it just makes you a little bit closer to getting the information. But if you don't go pursue it and take it, then it'll just slip right past you and you'll get all the other bullshit instead. Uh, yeah. That's how, I mean, yeah, yeah. in a, in a, the briefest way I can. Sorry guys. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's good. No, yeah. um, I hear you. Well, Hey, I mean, Vinny, unless you have anything to add to the heavy stuff that, that Caleb just dropped on us. Only thing I would say, if there's a young person here in this school for me was a nice experience. It was good teachers. Glad. I was glad to be around them. Incredible students, good friends with many of them. It was not a determinant school did not determine my future. Yes. It did not define me. It was not formative. It was simply an experience. Yeah. It was Monday through Friday for several years and very little more than that. 
Do you, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, no, I do. Yeah. I, I was not I, a determined. Yeah. No future, no path was opened or closed at school. I definitely, uh, I, I've always been a very big preacher of, um, you know, like obviously doing both my degrees at, at Florida State. Like I had to like it to an extent and really enjoyed who I was meeting there as far as um, uh, uh, people. But I've always been a very big proponent and, and, preached or, or given the advice of like school is really it doesn't matter at all it just all matters of what you do with that experience and who you that's what i'm trying to say yeah. what you've talked about there and like what relationships you've garnered from there you know we it's it's a true blessing and a curse that we don't have this uh necessarily this career where once you have that that degree you're like all right where's my job applications let's go you know yeah yeah things don't yeah, we don't do that. That's not how well, our lives are. And we love it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, yeah. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, you know, if yeah. If you want to have a long conversation, you know, sometimes we like to have those long conversations. Right. <laughs> yeah. See, and and the guys, this is what's so important that they were talking about earlier, we're like they just get together and like they just talk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, look, guys. Thanks for joining me uh, for this interview. It's really, it's always very interesting, at least to me, to really like hear people, like to get to know someone behind a record rather than just listen to the record. Um, again, if you guys haven't checked it out, it literally just came out. Um, it's on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, YouTube, all the places. It's entitled New Year. Make sure you give that a listen. And um, thank you again, Caleb, Noah, and uh, Thanks, Benny. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank Alan. you, Alan. Thanks for the conversation. Talk to you later. Yep. Yep.